This is Jim Lockhead, the now retired CEO of Denver Water, and you're listening to the Water Values Podcast. The Water Values Podcast is sponsored by the following market-leading companies and organizations. By Woodard & Curran, high-quality consulting engineering, science, and operations services. By Interra, innovation and stewardship for a sustainable tomorrow. By Xylem, let's solve water. By the American Water Works Association, dedicated to the world's most important resource. By Black & Veatch, building a world of difference. By 120 Water, new rules need new tools. And by 1898 & Co., possibilities powered by experience. This is Session 249. Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resources, treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now here's your host, Dave McGibsey. Hello and welcome to another session of the Water Values Podcast. As my daughter Sarah said, my name is Dave McGimsey and thank you so much for joining me. Well, welcome to 2024 and Happy New Year to all. I hope each of you had a tremendous holiday season that you somehow survived with your sanity intact. We've got some great guests in line for you uh, this year in 2024 and we start with a phenomenal guest, Seth Johnstone of 1898 & Co. Seth is the Client Engagement Leader for Water Utility Digital Solutions at 1898 & Co. And it will be clear throughout the interview why he is the client engagement leader. He's very knowledgeable, very personal, and he's very plugged into digital water. No matter how much you think you know about digital water, Seth is going to teach you something new. And he does it in just a a fantastic manner. So uh, stay tuned because Seth is going to knock your socks off. Well, as you know, we always say thank you to our awesome sponsors at the top of the show. And we have some fantastic sponsors in 2024. Our 2024 sponsorship lineup includes Woodard & Curran, Interra, Xylem, the American Water Works Association, Black & Veatch, 120 Water, and 1898 & Co. And I'm just so very thankful that these fantastic companies, these industry leaders, are dedicated to water industry education and thought leadership. And I am and, so happy that they chose to support the podcast, and I thank you all And I'd like for you to do me a favor as the listener. If you work for or with any of these sponsors, please thank your boss, thank your contact at the sponsor firm, and let them know that you appreciate their leadership in the industry through the sponsorship. You'd be surprised how far that simple little note of thanks will go. And as long as you're letting the sponsors know you appreciate their support of water industry education and thought leadership, why not leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts? It would be greatly appreciated and helps others find out about the podcast. And also, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Yes, the all-important subscription. Well, before we head on to the interview with Seth, let's kick off 2024 with a Bluefield on Tap segment with Bluefield Research's Reese Tisdale giving us his his top five issues. So let's take it away, guys. Well, Reese, welcome to another year of Bluefield on Tap. How are you doing today? How are you doing this year? How was New Year's? I tell you what, the years are piling up. Um, <laughs> that's for sure. Who would have ever thought? Um, but glad to be back. Glad I'm still here. How about that? That's right. Yeah, we're all um, we're all just thankful we made it. Exactly. So, uh, 2023 is now in the books. What uh, what what's Bluefield think about 2023? What are your kind of key takeaways? 
So, you know, I think we did this last year. My memory is failing me, but, um, you know, when I was prepping for this, I was like, Hey, you know, it's always good to sort of take a look back, like, you know, sort of a year by the numbers. And so what I've done is sort of put some pencil to paper and come up with, uh, you know, an abridged version of Dave Letterman's top 10, uh, list. Instead, we'll do a top five, maybe for 2023. So let's hear it. What, What are your top five issues? All right. So I think the question is, do I start at five or one? I think I'm going to start at five. Yeah. Um, That's how Letterman would do it. Yeah, exactly. So uh, not that we're showing our age or anything, <laughs> but uh, as everybody knows, ChatGPT, uh, which is obviously the most notable, I guess, AI tool to date. It's had, uh, I think, as of August, I think in August 2023 alone, it had over a billion and a half visits. Um, but in running through the numbers, um, according to UC Riverside, uh, 40 to 100 queries requires as much as a quarter of a gallon or 3.78 liters of water. So everybody in the water industry is talking about AI saving our behinds and making us more efficient. Well, if anything, it's also going to use a lot more water. Yeah. Um, so everybody needs to keep that in mind as we roll out uh, AI tools and things like ChatGPT. Okay, that's number five. That's- All right, there we go. That's number five. So number four, which is actually something to look out for as we head into 2024, and that is the projected value of PFAS um, over the next eight years, according to Bluefield, which is where I work. Uh, <laughs> we've put it at about $12 billion. So that market size has actually climbed, but that's driven really by the pending MCLs, which are going to be released probably in Q1 of 2024. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, the uh, legal settlements with 3M, but there are also a number of other legal settlements that are pending. Um, It's also worth adding that uh, CERCLA and any rulings on CERCLA are really important about whether PFAS is going to be treated as hazardous waste and what does that mean for utilities going forward. So um, that's a big one. Everybody's watching. Okay, number three. We're we're to number three. So thanks for the PFAS. Number three. Number three, one of the... um, one of the things we do at Bluefield is we look at the top 50 publicly traded companies, or at least our top 50. Um, they represent about $92 billion in water revenues every year. We look at them every quarter. Uh, I thought it was worth noting that as the year was closing out, flow control and engineering segments reported stock price growth exceeding 10% year over year. So um, with things like IIJA and a lot of project activity, at least on the design side of engineering, um, things are pretty uh, pretty busy uh, when it comes to um, to the water sector. That being said, investor in utilities, treatment technologies, and digital water solutions, they were all much lower. In fact, the IOUs were taking it on the chin, largely because of a lot of what you do, Dave, is rate case settlements. There are a couple <laughs> IOUs that have some pending rate cases that are actually dragging on, not only for a year, but multiple years. I think you're right that the IIJA and uh, uh, some of the other, the BIL, have stimulated the, the water sector a little bit. It, I, th- I thought I've seen some research that kind of indicates that they, they expect that to crest a little later than 24, though, like maybe maybe 25. Yeah, because I think we've been going, we've got our hands on some pretty good data uh, more recently where the reality of it is the dollar is actually hitting the streets for construction. Um, it's it's 
much lower than everybody anticipated. It's it's the government, you know, what else do we expect? But at the <laughs> same time, uh, we're talking, you know, 250 to 300 projects rather than, you know, the thousands that have actually requested money. Um, so the funding that's actually hit the street is is really a far cry from the $55 billion. Yeah. All right. That's number three. Let's go to number two. All right. Number two, this is, I'm getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here because, you know, uh, we don't have the final numbers from 2023, but it looks like 2022 uh, M&A activities are going to fall short of last year for 2023, which would, in 2022 is 380 deals. I think we're going to get closer to 360 to maybe 370 um, as we sort of finalize the IOU transactions. So we go through the dockets and other other deals. But I think there are some notable ones worth watching, and that would be like H2O Innovation, Logistech, um, but also some major investments in like Gradient and Cambrian Innovation, which are decentralized water treatment players. And then, you know, everybody's already forgotten about Evoqua. That was close, you know, that was at the beginning of the year. That's how far we've come. So Evoqua and Diversity, uh, who was acquired by Selenis. Those are some of the notable and bigger deals. Yeah. Interesting stuff. All right. Number one, what's, what's the top issue we should look out for in 24? Well, I don't think it's going to end in 2024. So this is where we're heading, but in 2023, the national centers for environmental information, which is basically NOAA. They've documented $25 billion weather and climate events this past year, which surpasses the 22-year average of 8.1. So we're on the uptick. And actually, the last five years, the average is 18. So it continues to climb. But uh, these 25 events in the U.S. uh, totaled about $81 billion uh, of damage, including droughts, floods, large storm events. So That's something that is uh, worth keeping an eye on for those in the Northeast where I am. Uh, At the end of December, there are major uh, rains and floods causing all kinds of havoc um, and ruining my ski season for the short term. (laughs) But, uh, hey, that's where we are. But I thought that was a good one sort of to end on, so let's do something about it, I suppose. Yeah, interesting stuff. All right, well, thanks for the top five, Reese. I look forward to another great year of Bluefield on Tap, and thanks for joining us again. Yeah, ski, always. Hope, hope your ski season improves. Yeah, uh, it will. It will. <laughs> I'm. I'm. It's, it's the beginning of the year. We're all glass half full at this point. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Thanks, Reese. We'll talk to you soon. Take it easy. Uh-huh. Bye. As always, great information from Bluefield Research and Reese Tisdale. Now it's time for the main event: our interview with Seth Johnstone. So let's get that water flowing. Well, Seth, welcome to the Water Values Podcast. Great to have you on. How you doing today? Yeah, Dave, thanks for having me and excited to be here. Yeah, I th- I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Uh, for starters, could you provide uh, our listeners with kind of a, uh, a thumbnail on your background and how you came to the water sector? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I've been working, uh, you know, in the water industry for, you know, almost 20 years now. Uh, but I've always had a, a technology background. So prior to my water utility days, I actually worked in the electric utility industry. Uh, and then prior to that, I was actually an underwater archaeologist. So I always say I'm a recovering underwater archaeologist. Uh, but, you know, a good introduction to water. And during those days, got heavily into cave diving. Uh, so understanding the importance of water quality and what, you know, how it contributes to our day-to-day lives. But, uh, you know, that's what uh, led me to here. I like using technology for, um, 
solving customers' problems. And, you know, the water industry has always been a good fit for that. Wow. So the cave diving that, you know, I had a geomorphologist on one time and uh, I asked what that does. And she, she said, well, we normally just intimidate people with our fancy sounding name. But there you go. But, but cave diving, uh, what, what is an underwater archaeologist? Just out of curiosity. Yeah. So really, we're studying, you know, the remains of past human civilizations, uh, you know, underwater. So, uh, you know, my specific area of focus was, you know, really focused on uh, a lot of the paleo Indian sites that were off the uh, coast of uh, the Gulf of Mexico. So these were sites that were about three or four miles offshore. Um, you know, back from when, uh, you know, sea levels were lower and uh, people were a lot farther out uh, than they are these days. So uh, anyways, when there was more coastline in Florida than there is today, uh, people took advantage of it. And so we were out on boats for, you know, a month at a time looking for, um, you know, the uh, the remnants of those civilizations out there. Wow, that sounds fantastic. I mean, did, did anyone ever ask you if you kind of were searching for the lost city of Atlantis? Oh, of course, of course, <laughs> okay. of course. And we never found it. We oh, never yeah. found it. I'll leave that one. I'll leave that one alone. <laughs> uh, so what, what can you tell us a little about what you're doing in the water industry today? Um, yeah, yeah. No, happy to. Happy to. So really in, in water, you know, we're really apply, trying to apply our, our technology-based approach that, uh, you know, we've been using on the electric industry and, and really helping our electric industry customers um, modernize their use of digital technology. So we're, we're bridging that over into the water space and really helping our, our water utility customers. And, and when I say water, I mean water, wastewater, stormwater, industrial water, but really helping those customers leverage digital technology to make better business decisions and operate their business more effectively. Got it. So what are, you know, I've, I've, we've talked about digital transformation on this podcast on uh, some, some prior occasions. I'd like to get your perspective though, on kind of what you see as kind of the common challenges out there in the, I'll just call it the one water industry. You know, you've kind of said, Hey, we're doing water, wastewater, industrial water, stormwater, all that. That's what I mean by that. What, what are some of the common challenges that you're seeing out there? Yeah. When we look in, in, you know, this is really from what, you know, my experience over the last 20 years or so in, in the water industry, you know, when I'm looking across the water industry, I'd say, you know, really that challenge that that I see boils down to one key area, and that's, you know, bridging that that physical side of the business um, with the digital side. And, and too often what we see in, in the utilities industry in general um, and in the water industry is really, you know, how do we bring these two sides of operations of thinking about how the business operates together, right? How do we ensure that digital technology is really supporting the physical side of the business? You know, the people that actually have to put their hands on assets and actually have to, you know, turn valves and flush hydrants and, you know, do preventative maintenance on pumps. You know, how do we ensure that digital technology is really meeting their needs um, both now but also, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, we're helping these organizations future proof uh, where they're going with their use of technology over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. What strategies do you find are effective for, for making that bridge between the digital and the physical? Yeah, I mean, at the baseline, you know, one of the things that I always say is, is you know, digital technology is no longer the limiting factor. You know, just just where technology's come over the last decade, uh, you know, with mobile devices and 
you know, cloud-based deployments and, you know, all the technology components are there to really support the needs of, you know, most, most organizations out there. And, you know, really what we're trying to focus on is the people side of it, right? So how do we help, you know, the individuals within an organization better understand how technology can support their needs, uh, you know, help craft their workflows so that uh, they're leveraging technology in the right way. Uh, and really start, you know, building in cybersecurity, you know, concepts into that approach. But, you know, at the end of the day, it really starts with helping them understand a broader strategy and a broader mindset around the application of technology across the organization. Yeah. And that, that's a great point. I, I One of the, the fears that folks have, right, is that, hey, these, these digital solutions are going to replace me. They're going to replace my job. Uh, how how do you get, you know, overcome that? Have you, like, for example, have you kind of spent time in the field trying to figure out how that works and kind of, mm-hmm. yeah, well, it sounds like you got an answer there. So go ahead. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's a great question, right? And I would say, you know, maybe 10 years ago, that fear really existed. I think what we're seeing more in the water industry is that fear that, hey, we're not going to have enough people to run, uh, you know, our water utilities going forward, right? You know, I think we've seen several articles here, you know, especially over the last year. And, you know, once again, I think that's, you know, a result of coming out of, of COVID and, and, you know, a lot of the retirements that we've seen across the workforce. But, you know, the, the fear is almost, you know, how do we capture a lot of that institutional knowledge that's walking out the door um, that is retiring? Uh, you know, everything that, you know, is stored in, in the person's head that, you know, helped install these assets you know, that's operated these assets for 20, 30, 40 years, how do we capture that information and then quickly train up new staff so that they can leverage that information in the most effective manner possible? Um, and, you know, one of the things that, you know, really, uh, you know, I'm always looking at when, when we're talking with our, you know, utility customers is, you know, how are we making sure that, you know, they're, you know, the people, the end users should not worry about what systems they're using. Right. You know, if I'm somebody who's out in the field or or doing production rounds in a treatment facility, at the end of the day, I shouldn't care what my enterprise business system is that, you know, I'm I'm using to collect that information or do my job. You know, I should just have an interface that makes my job easy to do um, and have people that, you know, I trust and, you know, are putting all the systems together in the right way behind the scenes to make sure that the right information is available to me at the right time to make the best decision possible based on the information that we actually have. Love the assessment. Uh, I've got a number of different questions. All this knowledge is walking out the door. How do you get all the knowledge that's walking out the door into the digital, Mm -hmm. digital realm so that that knowledge can then be applied for the decision maker who's trying to, again, you know, look at, look at the best possible set of data to make decisions for the end use customers. That's the crux of the question, right? Is, is, you know, how do we start capturing this information, uh, you know, from the people that we've been dependent on for so long uh, and make sure that, you know, we can carry that information forward. And, you know, that is where these enterprise business systems come into play. Um, That is where processes around, you know, change management you know, really understanding the the workflows that your utility is executing um, and being able to, you know, map those workflows, map the right enterprise business systems. And when I say enterprise business systems, that's where I'm talking about 
you know, your asset management system or your customer care and billing system or your GIS or, you know, limb system or whatever it is, you know, that's where these different systems become these systems of record for that institutional knowledge that people have collected over the years. And, you know, I can say just from, from, you know, my, my years of experience in the industry uh, and, you know, from a lot of hands-on experience, you know, there's there's still that gap between, you know, what I think is in, in people's heads and what is being represented in those systems, right? So how do you, you know, you have to deliberately engage with your staff to start collecting that information. You have to give them a framework to start with. Uh, and once you have that in place and, you know, you've kind of built this, this change management process into your organization, you know, you, you can start, you know, being more deliberate around, you know, the types of data you need to get from your people, uh, from your assets in the field. Uh, you know, I always say every time you open up the ground, you need to be collecting information on what's underground, you know, what how the pipes are oriented, how they're connected, you know, what the reducers, you know, between two pipes might look like. But, you know, really getting your hands on those assets at every opportunity you have and collecting data on those assets and really taking every opportunity you have to engage with the people who really understand your system and get that information and capture that information digitally in your various systems of record. You know, to me, that's the foundation for being able to operate as a modern utility going forward. Yeah. Uh, and just funny story. Yesterday I was home for lunch and the, the, my local water utility truck came out and they, mm -hmm. they were parked in our driveway and they're walking around my yard. And of course the yard is covered with leaves. Uh, and they had a, they're trying to find my water meter. They had no idea where my water meter was. And so I needed to get back to work. So I kind of went out there and said, Hey guys, what's going on? And they, I kind of showed them where the water meter was and they, they found it through all the cover of leaves, but it's the same thing, right? You know, they ought to know they have a, that that ought to be plugged into the GIS system, right? So they know where the meter is. You're spot on. I mean, you know, to me, I, you know, intuitively everything a water utility does, you know, is is location based. You know, from from a foundational standpoint, I heard somebody, you know, one of uh, you know my customers and, and you know good friends in the water space actually, you know, describe this concept: the laser guided shovel. Right. You know, it's the shovel with like the GPS unit on it. But, you know, at, you know, to get to that, you have to have the data. Right. You know, somebody has to have collected that data. You know, in your example of the, um, you know, the leaves covering your water meter. I mean, think back to, you know, something like Hurricane Sandy. Right. You had, you know, parts of New York and New Jersey that were covered by, you know, five, six feet of sand. And you're looking for a valve to be able to shut off water in an area. Well, how do you do that if, you know, if you don't know where those assets are, if you haven't collected that information over the years um, and built that that solid foundation of data that you can then operate on both, you know, during regular operations, but also during emergency operations. Yeah, very good. So uh, you mentioned cybersecurity earlier. I, you know, I'd, I'd love to dig in a little bit on once you've started collecting all this data, how do you keep it safe? I mean, we don't mm -hmm. need to make this like, uh, we don't need to blow it up, but I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are on, on cybersecurity. Yep, yep. So really when, when we look at cybersecurity, you know, we're really looking at two aspects. And, and I feel like historically these two as aspects have been treated completely independently. So you have the, 
the information technology side of cybersecurity, right? So think you're, you know, typical, uh, you know, uh, you're getting the emails that are spam and, you know, you may have your various phishing, you know, with a pH program for whatever organization you work with where they send out the fake emails and you're supposed to, you know, flag it as a potential uh, spam email. Um, you know, so really that would be to me the IT side of cybersecurity, right? You're hardening your your network, you're hardening your your various uh, IT systems. But then there's the OT side of cybersecurity, right? That operational technology side. So, you know, when I think of OT, it's going to be your your SCADA systems, you know, the industrial control systems, you know, those those devices that can actually control uh, you know, control flows and control treatment in a facility. Uh, and really what's, what, you know, has happened over the years is, is these two concepts, domains of cybersecurity have really evolved completely independently from each other. So it's very rare where we see utilities kind of looking at both cybersecurity from a holistic perspective. They tend to focus either on IT cybersecurity and then maybe there are very few that focus on some level of OT cybersecurity. So one of the, the conversations that, that we often have around cybersecurity is really how you start bringing those worlds together, right? And really looking at cybersecurity holistically, um, you know, recognizing that, yes, data systems are supposed to be air gaps, you know, from your, your IT infrastructure and all that kind of stuff that's supposed to happen. But once again, you, you know, utilities have devices and they have equipment installed in their facilities that, you know, frankly can be accessed by the outside world. Uh, and then you have IT systems that, you know, frankly, if somebody gets in and compromises those systems, uh, you know, you can lose a ton of data and that data equates to time. Uh, it equates to, you know, in some cases, years of information that's been collected. You know, if you've got customer information, it could be, you know, PII info that, uh, you know, is is you're liable for if that information gets out. So really looking at cybersecurity holistically is is how we talk about it and how we like to approach it when we're we're working with our customers in the space. How do you marry those, the IT and the OT cybersecurity elements? But then in a, in a bigger picture, Ken, as you were talking how do you put everything together and use all this data that you're collecting holistically? I'll start with the first part. And, uh, you know, if I miss on, on either of these parts, let me know. But, uh, uh, you know, once again, I, I, you know, the first part goes back to the people. You know, the way that it typically is organized and, you know, I'm thinking the classic water utility. So probably 95% of the water utilities out there is you've got, you know, your IT group, your IT department, your IT team, uh, and they are very focused on the IT side of the business. And then you have your production and treatment folks. And, and you know, those folks may have some semblance of focus on OT cybersecurity, but the first step in really bringing this together is helping, you know, the utility understand that, you know, cybersecurity is cybersecurity at the end of the day. And there needs to be a, a holistic strategy. Once again, I'm using that word because, you know, how else do you, you talk about it, right? It needs to incorporate and bring both of these worlds together. Um, and I can say that, you know, we're starting to see utilities that really, you know, nest both IT functions and these OT cyber functions under one, you know, 
we could call it a CIO, we could call it, you know, some sort of CISO or whatever word you want to use. Um, nesting those functions under one individual who has that broad purview over both er areas of the business. I will say that's the exception. And so as we're engaging with you know, our customers, what we're trying to do is help them understand that, hey, this is all cybersecurity, whether you create a person that has responsibility over both of these areas or not, they both need to be part of the conversation going forward. And so at the end of the day, it boils down to the people. So when we're developing cybersecurity strategies that, you know, cover all of these areas, the ITOT side, you know, we want to have everybody at the table. Uh, and really that's, you know, the, the strategy and the vision that we're helping lay out for the organization that we're working with. So I think you aced the first part of the, 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 the question. The second part of the question, again, just because I, I know that as you're, you're talking, it, sometimes you forget these things. But the second part of the question was, how do you put uh, all the differences? Because we talked about a number of different systems earlier, uh, SCADA, what have you. H how do you take the holistic view of putting putting all the data together and making sure that, that you are uh, taking, for lack of a better word, a holistic view of all the data that your organization is collecting so that you can make in so that you make the best possible decisions. Yep. Yep. Okay. Great question. Great question. So, you know, I, I'd say really my approach in, in my thinking around this is, you know, what I would almost call a, a programmatic approach to, you know, digital infrastructure and digital transformation for an organization. Uh, you know, when, when we look at most utilities, I think most utilities are, are familiar with the concept of program. Right. And programs, you know, programs being, you know, a portfolio of projects, you know, usually organized around the, you know, a broad need uh, for the organization. It could be a consent decree program. Uh, you know, we've seen organizations that have an asset management program. You know, so the program concept's not new. What I, I feel like is lacking in the, the water industry is really applying that programmatic concept to digital technology. And, you know, the way I look at it is, you know, if we start, you know, looking at, you know, other programs, right, these are cycles of projects, right, and you have a number of different initiatives under these, you know, what tends to not happen in the water industry is, you know, technology and, and especially digital technology, going back to the enterprise systems we talked about earlier, you know, each of those enterprise systems is, is really treated as a silo. And, you know, if you think about your asset management system, uh, it, a water utility will say, hey, you know what, we're, we're struggling with, you know, really getting a, a, a clear picture of how much work we're doing on our assets, what it costs us to do work on our assets. Uh, you know, we don't know which assets to really work on and focus on, you know, so you know what, we feel like we need a new asset management system. Okay, great. Hey, you know, good, good realization, but, you know, they go out. They survey the market. Hey, these are the asset management systems out there. You know, let's pick one. We'll deploy it. You know, we'll use an SI or whoever to do that work. And boom, hey, you've got an asset management system. But, you know, at the end of the day, what you're missing are all the other components of, you know, doing better asset management as an organization that require inputs from other systems, uh, that require inputs from maybe departments that weren't initially part of the original asset management system procurement. 
and really other parts of the organization that would benefit from that information that's being captured by an asset management system. And so really when I look at technology, you know, where I would like to see the water industry get to is where really you're treating digital technologies as part of a program and each of these systems is looked at in a holistic manner, right? So where does an asset management system fit in within the ecosystem of the other enterprise business systems you have? And then how do you start putting each of your you know, digital technology systems that your organization is dependent on, on a regular cycle of, of upgrades and migration and maintenance and you know, everything that needs to happen to keep those systems refreshed, aligned with the needs of the business, uh, using modern approaches to, you know, integrating between systems and integrating data between systems. So it's, uh, you know, honestly, it's a framework and a, a mindset that I don't see in the water industry. Um, there might be some people that would argue with me, but honestly, you know, just over years of working with water utilities, uh, you know, I haven't seen a lot of that. And so I think there's a shift to really looking at your digital footprint, right? That digital footprint that ultimately goes back to what we were talking about originally, you know, that's helping you capture that institutional knowledge, then helping you bring new staff up to speed more quickly, um, you know, and helping you optimize the workflows that you have. You're really starting to build this portfolio of systems that are orchestrated in a way that these systems can they can evolve and mature independently, but they're evolving and maturing on a regular cycle. They're refreshed on a regular cycle, uh, and they're using you know what we would call best practices, you know, cloud, uh, you know, integration frameworks to bring data and share information between these systems, so that you know data from that asset management system, if it's going to benefit another workflow that may not be quote unquote asset management related. It can be quickly shared and little bits and pieces of that information can be carved off and shared with other workflows and other enterprise business systems throughout the organization. And, you know, at the root of that to get there, you have to have a strategy, right? You have to have a strategy and a roadmap that sets that, you know, multi-year view for where you want to be. That strategy and roadmap needs to align with the you know the vision and, and key goals and objectives of the business of the utility. You're not doing technology projects just for the sake of doing technology. Uh, you know, really, it needs to support the needs of the business. And you know, so starting with that business-driven technology roadmap is really what will help move utilities in this direction. Yeah, I, I agree. Change is hard, right? It is. It is so hard. So what, what are the instigators you've seen for utilities beginning to, to start down the path of the digital transformation? Kind of what, what are those kind of, where, where's the tipping point? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's, that's the million dollar question, right? But, you know, I'd say there are those existential threats to, you know, water utilities, right? You know, those external factors that are really pushing a lot of this. Yeah, and it's it's the ones that everybody knows about that everybody talks about aging infrastructure, uh, you know, water stress, whether it's too much water, too little water, uh, water quality issues that are coming down the, you know, uh, pardon the pun, but coming down the pipe with uh, PFAS, uh, you know, all the lead and copper, uh, you know, regulations that that everybody's marshalling to respond to right now. 
you know, those factors are really driving, you know, what I would consider or what I would call a workforce stress, right? You've got this, this very limited and stressed out workforce in the water industry. Uh, you know, they're driving affordability, you know, concerns and all those external factors, you know, coupled with just the, the, the po- political environment, I feel like a lot of the water utilities these days have to operate in, you know, putting all of that together, you know, is, is pushing water utilities to have to change, you know, and, and I kind of feel like, you know, we see water utilities kind of say, no, everything's going fine. You know, we're, we're okay. We operate okay. Like things are okay. And, you know, everything's okay right now. And, and not trying to play up the, you know, the fear, uncertainty and doubt aspect of this, but, you know, things are changing more rapidly than I feel like they were 30 years ago. And, you know, utilities are, are being forced to change. And we saw this during COVID. There were those organizations that, you know, they'd implemented a lot of digital technology before COVID hit. And so when COVID hit and maybe people were working from home or working more, um, more mobily across their, their service area, they were able to rapidly adjust. Customer service could still operate. Uh, they had the systems in place to support that. And we saw this clear line between those that had made a lot of those digital changes before COVID and those that were trying to do it during COVID. And there was a very clear difference, you know, difference between those utilities that, that were able to pretty easily adjust to that change and those that couldn't. So we're going to see other changes coming, right? You know, we can expect, you know, certain levels of emergency response and, you know, various, uh, you know, in, uh, climatic issues that happen in different areas um, that utilities will have to respond to or staff leaving. Um, you know, I was talking to one utility executive a few weeks ago and they said 30%, you know, their staff have left over the last five years. Well, how do you operate if you've lost 30% of your staff and, you know, the corresponding institutional knowledge? So all these factors are really driving change in the industry. Um, once again, water is hyper-localized. Uh, you know, it's hard to, you know, you can't just run a wire, uh, you know, or a big power line from, from, you know, one water utility to another water utility and, and, you know, pipe water over to them, you know, it's a huge project to do that. So it's almost like water utilities are on these little islands and, you know, they're having to respond to hyper-local change and, you know, they're struggling with the, you know, the digital and technology expertise in-house and, and trying to figure out how to do that. So, you know, I feel like at the end of the day, you know, helping utilities at least see a path forward using digital technology to help shore up some of these, you know, the exposed gaps that they may have, help them adjust to change as it's happening, become more resilient. Um, you know, really at the end of the day, that's, that's you know, really what the focus is. Got it. That's, that's an insightful response. So I appreciate that. Well, at this point here, we're coming close to bumping up against our time. Uh, Seth, you've been great. Uh, I'll, I'll ask you at this point if you have a leave-behind message that you'd like to share with the listeners. Yeah, really the leave-behind. And, you know, we touched on it throughout this. But, you know, use use this opportunity, right? Use this opportunity when things are are okay or things are good to start looking towards the future. And, and you know, really, once again, I think utilities do a good job of defining their goals and objectives for the business 
And so really take it a step further and make sure that digital technology, um, you know, that cybersecurity, you know, are really going to support the needs of the business going forward, right? So build that roadmap and that technology roadmap that's going to ensure that, uh, you know, your technology and use of technology and evolution with technology over the next three, five, 10 years is going to align with where the business is going. And I feel like the utilities that do that and do that well and are looking at, you know, things holistically, once again, I'm going to use that word, but, uh, you know, things holistically where, you know, the business and, and digital technology are all part of the same thought process. Those are the ones that have been able to respond to a lot of the challenges we've seen over the last decade uh, and are, are the ones that are going to be well positioned going forward. So I, I would just strongly encourage, you know, all utilities to really think about, you know, digital technologies and enabler for your business and really a way to help you better adjust to the changes that, uh, you know, inevitably are coming down the road. Yep. Well, again, Seth, it's been fantastic speaking with you. You've, uh, you've, you've been very enlightening. I really appreciate the, uh, your perspective on things. And for those who want to find out more about you, more about 1898 and your work, where can they go to get that information? Sure, sure. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll include our uh, 1898 and Co. Uh, website address. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Seth Johnstone. I don't think there are too many Seth Johnstones out there, so I'm pretty easy to find. <laughs> but uh, you know, once again, hey, Dave, it's been been awesome to be here. So, thank you for having me. Yeah, you bet. Uh, thanks again, Seth. Been terrific, and we'll talk to you very soon. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thank you, Dave. Bye. What an awesome and inspiring way to kick off 2024. I love the message and the depth of knowledge that Seth brought to this topic. It's really just a fresh take, a fresh approach to digital transformation for water utilities. And I think uh, very valuable information and perspectives that Seth shared. Well, I would love to know what you thought about the interview. Please check out the show notes page for information and links on this episode. Just Google the Water Values Podcast. Click the first link that comes up. That's our home on the web. Again, Bluefield Research and the Water Values LLC are not affiliates. We just have a joint marketing arrangement, and as part of that, we get a home on the web. You can also email me at david.mcgimsey at dentons.com, and you can sign up for the newsletter at that landing page as well. Thank you again for tuning in, and I hope you make it a great day and a great 2024. Plus, I want to give a huge thanks to our sponsors. Again, sponsors of the Water Values podcast include Woodard & Curran, Intera, Xylem, the American Water Works Association, Black and Veatch, 120 Water, and 1898 Co. This show would not be possible without those great companies and industry leaders. And again, thank you for listening and for subscribing to the Water Values Podcast. Your support is truly appreciated. It has been throughout the prior years. And as we barrel on towards completing our 10th year, which will happen in March of 2024, your support is truly appreciated. Well, Happy New Year to all and have a terrific 2024. In closing, please remember to keep the core message of the Water Values Podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource, so please join me by going out into the world and acting like it.
listening to the Water Values Podcast. Thank you for spending some of your day with my dad and me. Well, thank you for tuning in to the disclaimer. I'm a lawyer licensed in Indiana and Colorado, and nothing in this podcast should be taken as providing legal advice or as establishing an attorney-client relationship with you or with anyone else. Additionally, nothing in this podcast should be considered a solicitation for professional employment. I'm just a lawyer that finds water issues interesting and that believes greater public education is needed about water issues. And that includes enhancing my own education about water issues because no one knows everything about water.